All right, what is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Between the Tackles, which is an NFL podcast hosted by yours truly, Matt Tweed. Thank you so much for tuning in. If it's your first time, um, and if it is not, and you're a returning listener, again, thank you for the support. If it's your first time listening, review, rate, subscribe, download, check out the podcast, uh, tell the homies, tell the fam. Um, we're doing some really cool things. We're popping off. Um, we got a YouTube channel as well, so check out the YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll just jump right into it. Um, recording this Wednesday evening, about 4.30 Eastern time. Um, a whole lot has happened in the NFL landscape today in the past couple days since Monday, essentially. We had trade deadline stuff. Um, yesterday we had information on some really tragic stuff come out, you know, the past couple of days as well. And then we have breaking news with, with a, a big name quarterback today. Um, and so we're going to recap all of that. We're going to obviously start with that because that is the big news right now. Um, and so let's just talk breaking news to start. So let's start with some really tragic stuff. And I don't want to, I wanted to get it out the way just so we don't have a downer, you know, towards the end of this segment, but, um, we're going to talk about breaking news. Um, so we found out some information yesterday um, that TMZ had first reported based off some police reports and some um, stuff that was going on in Las Vegas. And um, we got reports that Henry Ruggs had been involved in a really, really scary car accident. That was the first report. Shortly after that, maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour after, it was reported that it was a fatal car accident. So then you start to think, oh, shit, is, you know, is Henry Ruggs dead? He was not dead. Um, he was involved in the car crash. Um, someone that you know he had made impact with in the car had died. Um, then information came out that um, he was impaired. He was being charged with a DUI that resulted in the death of somebody else um, while driving under the influence. Um, then it came out today... Uh, due to his pro- due to prosecutor and, and and records and information that he was going 156 mile an hour um, in his car while impaired in a in an area in um, Las Vegas where he could have absolutely done infinitely more damage. I'm not saying he didn't do damage; he already did. He could have done infinitely more damage than he did. Um, so I'm going to start with this. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I can tell you that I've never had a DUI. I can tell you that I've never driven under the influence. Um, and I'm not a perfect person. But what I can tell you is, is if I had the money that Henry Ruggs did, I would never drive myself anywhere. I mean, other than like to go to the store. And even then, I don't know if I would. Um... And I'm not, I'm not trying to be high and mighty and holier than thou, whatever. I'm just letting you know I have infinitely less dollars than Henry Ruggs, and I take an Uber to a downtown metro city where I live if I'm going to have any anything to drink or I know that I'm going to have a wild night, if you will, wild in quotations. If I'm going to have fun, I will take an Uber to wherever I'm going so that I'm safe. And sometimes it isn't the most financially um, uh, appealing thing to do because of peak hours and how all these rideshare things work. (laughs) So let me be very clear. 
I don't have any of the financial opportunities that Henry Ruggs has. And I will take an Uber from downtown Columbus back up to where I live just as quick as I can say, help. It blows my mind when I read stories like this because we see too many stories like this where people who have plenty of dollar bills are deciding that they're going to go and get behind the wheel of a car, going to drive recklessly, and then we're just supposed to be like, oh, okay, well, they can play football again someday. How am I ever supposed to look at Henry Ruggs the same and anybody that's ever done something like this? Listen, I understand that people deserve second chances and that people deserve forgiveness and that we need to, you know, some sort of compassion for mistakes that have been made. I understand. What I have compassion for is the people whose family have now lost somebody because of Henry Ruggs' dumbass decisions. I have compassion for allowing Henry Ruggs to better himself after what he just caused and what he just chose to do and hopefully he turns a better page and moves and moves on from this a better person and can improve as a as a human and and decision making and sobriety and all of that but there is no compassion for not deciding with all of the money that you have to have a private driver to have somebody who's always driving you around to order an uber to walk home i don't i don't give a rip how you get home or buy Buy an Airbnb or buy a hotel nearby. It's Vegas, for God's sakes. Stay at, stay at somebody else's house. Stay at a. I don't even. I'm, listen, I'm not advocating for this, but stay at a, at a hooker's house. I don't care. But don't you dare get behind the wheel of a car and then decide you're going to go 156 mile an hour down a a popular road in Vegas that people will still populate at the time he was driving. I won't do it. I won't be like, man, thoughts and prayers for Henry Ruggs. I'm sorry. Maybe that makes me bad, but I won't do it. So he was released. He was cut. He'll probably be in jail for a pretty long time. I read that the the minimum for this offense is two years. The maximum is 20. And I'm sure they may be adding on more based on how fast he was going. I don't know. I haven't read that much into it. But all I know is, is an innocent person lost their life because somebody with a bunch of money decided to get behind the wheel of a car under the influence, double the legal limit with their blood alcohol content. This wasn't like, you know, I'm not even advocating for this, but I'm just saying this wasn't like, you know, you had several, several drinks that night and you were maybe a little buzzed and or maybe even drunk even, and you're thinking, well, you know, I shouldn't drive, but I feel like I can get home, and so I'm going to do that, and then I'll be good. This was you were plastered, and then you decided to put pedal to the floor, and you're lucky you didn't murder a bunch of people and damn near kill yourself. So that's what happened in in Las Vegas with Henry Ruggs. Um, He probably won't ever play a game of football again, rightfully so. I say that, though, and there's other horrible people that are still playing in the NFL, but he's going to go to jail, and he's probably done in the NFL, and now he's got to live with what he did. So 
that was kind of breaking news from from yesterday into today. All right, we got a that was really tragic. We got that out of the way. Let's now talk about Von Miller. We'll go over some um, trade deadline stuff after we talk about the breaking news, but the biggest one of all of that was Von Miller. So Von Miller gets traded from the Broncos to the Rams for two second-day draft picks, which essentially is second or third round. And he's now on the Rams with already a vaunted defense with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. They basically have... They basically, what they decided is, all right, we're going to add... We're going to have three elite players at every level on defense. We're going to have an elite tackle. We're going to have an elite linebacker now. And we're going to have an elite shutdown corner, maybe the best corner in the league. And we're going to have the best player, one of the best players at each position at each level of the defense. Not to mention they have Leonard Floyd. You know, so great. And I understand that, like, you know, there were other moves that were made, and we can talk about them very briefly, but... This is essentially the most all-in a team has ever gone that I've ever seen since watching the NFL and since I was a kid. They have basically obliterated future draft assets, obliterated their future basically to say, hey, we need to win a Super Bowl in the next like two to three years for this all to be worth it, maybe even two years, maybe this year for it to be worth it. And they've just completely mortgaged the future for right now. So hopefully works out for their sake. Um I've always been a fan of Matt Stafford, even though he was on a rival of my Bears. Uh, but I've always thought that he was good. I do think that he gets a little bit of a pass because they think that he didn't have weapons when he had one of the greatest receivers of our generation on his team and just chucked it up to him a whole lot. So I think he gets a bit of a pass sometimes, and he kind of goes unscathed when he should take some of the blame. But um, all that to say, the Rams just got really good on defense, even better uh, defensively, and they already had a great performing offense, and now they're getting even better defensively, and they mortgage their future for it, and I think if you're them, it makes sense if you win a Super Bowl. If you don't, you've completely mortgaged your future, and you're going to have a tough time rebuilding. Now, listen, I understand it. Your window is small in the NFL. Look at the Chiefs. I'm not saying the Chiefs are done, but look what the Chiefs had. They went AFC Championship game, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, and now they're 4-4. Four and four. And, and having to struggle and fight to make a playoff spot now. So the window is small, so if you can do what you can to get there and, and stack up elite talent, you do it. But man, the future is bleak if they don't win you know, in the next couple of years. And if they win one, it's all for naught. But we'll see. All right, let's talk about the big news today. Um, like I mentioned, recording this Wednesday evening, about 4.30, 4.45 p.m. Eastern time. And... All throughout the day, what has dominated the news cycle is Aaron Rodgers' news. And not positive news. Um, not good news. Um, well, never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. Um, so reports came out this morning that Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID. Okay. That's not shocking. That has happened to several people all throughout the league. They go through the COVID protocol. They go through the vaccination. If they're vaccinated protocol, they have to have two negative or two negative tests in 24 hours um, to be able to play. All is good. If he's vaccinated, he should be fine. Well, then Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissaro report that he's unvaccinated and that the earliest he can play is not this Sunday, but next Sunday's game against the Seahawks. Um, 
because he has to sit out 10 days. 10 days will put him at Saturday, and then um, he would have to test negative um, twice, you know, after Saturday, twice in 24 hours in order to play. Um, But here's the kicker about that story. There was a a press conference done in in October or August or something. No, I think it was August maybe. And they were asking Aaron, you know, what are your thoughts on the vaccination protocols and all these things? And like, are you vaccinated? And what is your thought on people not getting vaccinated and whatever? And, and, and a reporter outright asked him, are you vaccinated? And how do you feel about people who decide not to get the vaccine? And he answered, yes, I'm immunized. Quote, immunized, emphasis on that. And then he said, and I don't think any differently about people that decide to get vaccinated or not. That's their choice. It's their right, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Reporter doesn't ask a follow-up question. He just moves on to the next question. Well, we find out that immunized in this context did not mean vaccinated. Immunized meant that Aaron Rodgers had worked with specialty doctors to work on certain therapies and remedies to up his antibody level, which he then um, petitioned to the NFL should count as vaccination or as good enough to be able to pass COVID protocol for a vaccinated player. The NFL denied that, and they deemed Aaron Rodgers to be unvaccinated, to fall in the same category as an unvaccinated player. And the Green Bay Packers have known that from the beginning for a long time since the beginning of the offseason to now. He has been operating as an unvaccinated player in the building. On the field, everybody brought up the mask thing. He doesn't have to wear a mask. The NFL has said that you do not need to wear a mask um, outside if you're unvaccinated. You do have to do it in a dome, but outside, you do not. So, here we are. He's unvaccinated. We thought he claimed to be vaccinated. He never said he was, but he also never said that he wasn't. And everybody that is telling me and that I'm seeing on Twitter and that I've heard kind of say, oh, well, he he just answered truthfully. He he didn't answer the question incorrectly. Okay, miss me with that. He could have easily said, no, I'm not vaccinated, but I'm working with the NFL on what I believe is immunized, and I'm trying to get a petition to be counted as a vaccinated player with an with an elevated antibody level. Instead, he answered with the question, are you vaccinated with, yes, I'm immunized, not just I'm immunized, yes, I'm immunized. So he answered, yes, I'm vaccinated, and also I'm immunized, which are two totally different things. And I believe he was untruthful in that answer. I believe he lied about his vaccination status and saying that he was immunized because he knew he was going to have to petition the status of what he said to get under the same category as vaccinated players. So he knew he wasn't vaccinated, but he answered yes. And then, however, you can also defend him in this state that he did not lie to his players because he is following the protocol of an unvaccinated player to his team. So his team has known that he's not vaccinated. He didn't he didn't lie to them. What he did is is not even really lie. He was just not truthful when asked if he was vaccinated and he made everybody else kind of believe that he was when he could have easily just answered the question truthfully forthright and said, no, I'm not vaccinated. So I'm not mad at the guy. I'm mad that he tried to play it off as that he was vaccinated when he really wasn't. And then he tried to just kind of use wordplay to do that. 
But he didn't lie to his teammates. He didn't lie to his organization. The organization knew. The team knew. He's been doing everything the same as an unvaccinated player would. But now he can't play for, for you know, 10 days. He can't play this Sunday, and they're playing the Chiefs. It went from a one-point, you know, the Chiefs went from a one-point favorite to a pick to a one-point favorite, now to an eight-point favorite, which basically tells you that they think Aaron Rodgers is worth seven points, which is probably correct. And we'll talk about that in our preview. But this whole idea that Aaron Rodgers just misspoke when he said he was immunized, Aaron Rodgers goes on the Pat McAfee show every single Tuesday, and he is a very bright and deep and thoughtful person, a very educated and knowledgeable human being. There is no way that he mixed up immunized with vaccinated. There is no way that he heard that question and thought, oh, I answered this like I thought I was vaccinated. When he's the one that would know if he's vaccinated because it's his body. So when the question was asked, are you vaccinated? And he answered, yes, I'm immunized. He answered not truthfully. Because he knew he was going to have to go through a petition to get that to mean vaccinated and it didn't work. Now, Whatever people choose to do, that is their prerogative. Whether I agree with it or not doesn't matter. But what I don't agree with is leading people to believe that you were vaccinated or not even leading people to believe, leading a reporter that asked a question to believe that you were vaccinated and then people wrote a story about you being vaccinated and then it comes out that you weren't because of the way that you answered the question. If you didn't want backlash for the way that you answered the question, answer it as forthright and as easy as you can by just saying, no, I'm not vaccinated, but I worked on with a doctor to get my elevated antibody levels. And I'm going to petition the NFL to see if that counts as being, if that works in the same class as being vaccinated and we'll go from there. But he didn't answer it that way. So here we are now. He's out on Sunday, which means that the Packers now get to see if Jordan Love is worth all the hype and is worth getting rid of this guy, Aaron Rodgers, for. And then he'll be back next week if he gets two negative tests. I have my opinions. You don't have to agree with me. You can say that he didn't lie. He just answered truthfully. And all that stuff that you want, that's fine. We disagree. I think he's a smart and very bright individual and knew exactly what he was doing. So here we are. All right. Let's move into another bummer of a topic here, which is injuries. So injuries this year in the NFL have just kind of popped up recently, and two big injuries just happened. Um, So we've got Jameis Winston, who the Saints just got a huge win against the Bucs. They're 5-2. and I'm not sure if I believe in them yet, but they are 5-2, and and they just came off a massive win. But in that game, Jameis Winston hurts his knee. And then it comes out after that it's confirmed that he has a torn ACL and maybe some damage to his MCL. A guy that took a chance on himself, was really hoping to to redefine his career and really resurrect it, and he was starting to, leading a team to a 5-2 and two record with the help of Sean Payton. And then he gets hurt, and now their backup is Trevor Simeon. So, bummed for the guy. Um, I'm super sad. I think that um, I think that he has a lot had a lot of work to do, and he worked on a lot of things. Um, and it's just a real bummer that we are where we are. Um, 
because I think he was really starting to turn a corner um, and would have been improving more and more under the Sean Payton system the more and more he worked with him or if he worked with somebody else to help kind of cultivate um, you know, more of a professional career. Um, and now he has a massive setback, which will basically put him back for another, you know, six to nine, even maybe 12 months. So that's a bummer. Hoping he, hoping he improves and, and rehabs well. The other one, which is just an, just another gut punch, is Derrick Henry. It's assumed that he, not assumed, he did have he did have surgery on his foot. It was assumed that this surgery is going to keep him out for the rest of the year, maybe pending rehab and certain things he can come back. But a lot of times with Jones fractures and things of like that in your foot, you do not want to rush back and try and play on those because they can be super, super finicky. You can mess them up if you come back too early. So I would, I understand he wants to play. I would caution him to just rehab the crap out of it and come back even stronger than when he started. Um, but man, that sucks because I kept saying he was the MVP. He was clearly the MVP of the of the um, Titans. They go as far as he can take them on his back, no pun intended. Um, and now they're going to have um, McNichols and Adrian Peterson was brought in as a as a backup option. Um, I'm sure they have a slew of running backs they can play to. Um, but it's just a bummer for a guy that was really, really coming, coming on strong and and was a massive MVP favorite and or candidate and my MVP favorite um, this year just to go down like that. That sucks. All right, those were the two big injuries. There may be others that I'm missing, but those were the two that I could think of off the top of my head that were major. Um, all right, let's talk about the trade deadline here. Um, the trade deadline is always something that's interesting. Um, just because, you know, in the NFL, there it's not like the NBA where there's like 800 people moving team to team and program to program and all that stuff. Um, the NFL is you get a couple moves that, that are big and that's about it. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty much going to just go over a couple here um, that I think were big deals. Um, or kind of cool stories. Um, we already knew about um, Stephon Gilmore going to the Panthers, and then Zach Ertz is now um, in in Arizona. We already knew about those because those happened, you know, midweek, uh, mid October before the trade deadline. But let's talk about some trade deadline stuff. So, like I said yesterday, trade deadline, uh, Melvin Ingram goes to the Chiefs from the Steelers, and I think that's kind of cool. I don't know if it's like a game changer. Um, I mean the chief. Any, I guess, any Im- improvement to the Chiefs' defense is a game changer. Um, but Melvin Ingram was great for a stretch, and I don't know if he's just kind of fallen off. And he was decent for the for the um, Steelers at times. But the Chiefs can take any help they can get, and so him going to the Chiefs from the Steelers is great. Um, and that honestly was one of the only kind of big deals here. Um, Kerry Vincent Jr. goes from the Broncos to the Eagles. It looks like the Broncos are kind of punting on the year and trying to get draft capital. Um, the Chiefs traded um, Duvernay-Tardif to the Jets. Um, they get tight end Dan Brown. Again, not a big deal, um, but but it is something. Um, and that's about it. Honestly, not a whole lot of trade deadline stuff other than that. Um, the big one being um, Von Miller and then um, uh, Melvin Ingram going to the Chiefs. All right, let's talk about the Week 8 recap. If you are new here, that is what we do in every podcast. We do a recap of the week that was in the NFL. We do a preview of the week that's upcoming, and then we end it with the gambling corner, which is a 
a gambling segment where we do the tweet trifecta, a three-team money line parlay, and then the weekend best bets, which historically has been a two-team teaser, usually seven points. Maybe we'll add a third in there and, and maybe make it ten, but it'll probably be two teams, seven-point teaser. All right, let's jump right into the week week eight recap. As always, we use Vegas Insider as the recap and the preview for the lines. If you have different lines, that might just mean that you have a different app you're using or a different platform. That is completely okay. Always encourage line shopping. Get the best line that you can for the bet that you're placing. But we are going to do a week eight recap based on um, Vegas Insider's odds and where numbers closed. So starting with the Thursday game, again, that was almost a week ago. Shift your mind. Let's get back to that game. That was a massive game, Green Bay and Arizona. Green Bay did not have um, Devontae Adams. They didn't have Alan Lazard. They lost Robert Tunyon in that game, Big Bab. Um, and so bummer of that game um, for an injury standpoint. But Arizona closed as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. They lost outright to the Packers, who had a perfect game plan by Matt LaFleur. They just stuck to the game plan. Short passes, dink and dunk, run the ball, keep Kyler Murray off the field. And they, um, the Green Bay Packers went outright 24-21. to Moving into Sunday, Buffalo favored by, uh, they closed at 15. They win the game exactly on that number. They push 26 to 11. Carolina, Atlanta. Um, Atlanta closed as a two and a half point favorite. And just as it somehow does in the NFL, things that we thought make sense don't. We thought Carolina sucked. We thought they were done. Um, and they actually somehow win this game 19 to 13. Atlanta just is so hot and cold. A team that might have been catching a little bit of stride to maybe be a spoiler in some forms just loses a dumb game. Philadelphia and Detroit. Philadelphia closed as a three point favorite. They blow out Detroit um, 44 to 6. They win by 38. Anybody who had Detroit in some sort of teaser or thinking they could cover this or went outright just looked em- embarrassed. Um, Detroit finally can be put away as a team that is bad. A lot of times you hear them, oh, well, they're not that bad. They're close in almost every game. Well, there's been a few games lately where they've just gotten boat raced. Um, so I think we can we can assume that they're not very good. Tennessee and Indianapolis. This was a game that I kept telling you this line is wrong. The team, The wrong team is favored. And for a little bit, it looked like I was wrong. But then in the end, Indianapolis did close as a three-point favorite. I told you that they shouldn't be favored. It should be a pick or that Tennessee should be favored by at least one. They weren't. Indiana was, Indianapolis was favored. They, Indianapolis loses by three, 34-31. However, as I mentioned, um, Tennessee loses Derrick Henry, so we'll see what that means for them going forward. That game went to overtime. Carson Wentz throws a horrific but somewhat consistent interception, and they lose the game. Um, the Rams and Houston, this is an all-time bad beat. Incoming bad beat alert. So the, the Rams close as a 16.5-point favorite. They were up 38 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. A lot of people wrote this game off. They turned it off. They thought they had the cover big. And Houston scores 22 points in the fourth quarter. And you're going, wait, 22 points? How do, how does it even happen? Well, they went for two twice, and then they kicked two field goals. So they do a bunch of stuff that doesn't make mathematically any sense because, you know, I mean, I guess it makes sense to be down 16 at a point, but they weren't going to win the game. They had to get 38 points in the fourth quarter. And what was that number again? 16 and a half, and the final score was 38 to 22. If you had the Rams covering, you lost. And if you had the Houston um, Texans covering, you won that some miraculous way. What a bad beat that was. 
Cincinnati taking on the Jets. This game was on every single person's betting slip, whether in a teaser, whether Bengals money line. No one had the Jets being able to cover this line. And if you did, you're insane. I, I all the power to you. You're you're a genius. Um, the Jets or the the Bengals closed as an eleven and a half point favorite. They lose the game outright to the one win Jets, thirty four to thirty one. Call in that game, which I want to talk about. Um, some controversy in that game. So in the overtime, or sorry, in the fourth quarter, as Cincinnati has a chance to drive down the field and either tie or maybe win the game, um, they have to get a stop, though, in order to do that. And the Jets threw a screen pass that the Bengals snuffed out, and they were there perfectly. And the running back for the Jets lowers his head basically I mean, he lowered so far to the ground, and the only way that the Bengals guy was able to tackle him was to also lower, but it was so low that the Bengals guy went helmet-to-helmet with him because of how low it was. They called it unnecessary roughness. That's a flag, automatic first down, and the game was over. It was unbelievable. I've never seen a more horrible unnecessary roughness call since they've put that rule in. Um, it It was horrific. Shouldn't have gotten to that point. The Bengals had the ball, um, I believe, they were up. Um, the Bengals had the ball, and they went. They were up seven, or they were up four, or something like that. And then threw a pick when they should have been running the ball to to milk the clock. They threw a pass on first down and threw a pick, and it was up. It was over. The Jets came down and scored and went up, went up three after that. So here we are. All right. Um, Pittsburgh and Cleveland. This game was absolutely ugly. Pittsburgh closes a five-point favorite. They lose outright. Um, Baker looks bad. Uh, Drop passes, horrible penalties, just drop balls, bad passes, intercept, just just all around bad. Fumbles, so bad. Um, So they lose outright 15 to 10. San Francisco taking on Chicago. San Francisco closed as a four-and-a-half-point favorite. This was the best that Justin Fields has looked, and it wasn't even close. You saw glimpses of why he was going to be the big deal that he was. Um, he threw the ball great. He ran the ball great. I think he had over 105 rushing yards. He had 175 passing yards. He looked great. Um, the defense let them down this time. Um, San Francisco covers. They win 33-22. to Jacksonville taking on Seattle. Seattle favored by four when it closed. They win 31-7. to Jacksonville looked awful. Erwin Myers, again, still in over his head. Um, I actually thought this was a game that Jacksonville could win outright because it is Geno Smith, but apparently Geno Smith is going to keep Seattle somewhat afloat um, until um, Russell Wilson comes back in the next couple weeks. New England taking on um, the Chargers. So this one I thought was the wrong line, and it actually – or sorry, it was the right line, and I thought that it should have been bigger, and it actually turns out that I was infinitely wrong. Um, New England, or The Chargers close as minus four-point favorites. They lose outright 27-24. It looks like Mac Jones and all this dink and dunk worked out, um, and the Chargers just look a shell of themselves after being 4-1. and one. I think they're now 4-3 and three, or maybe even 4-4 four and four, um, and just look bad. Washington taking on Denver. Denver was favored by four when it closed. They somehow cover this line, not looking good doing it, but Washington looked awful. Denver scores 17, and they cover 17 to 10. 
Tampa Bay taking on New Orleans. As I alluded to earlier, New Orleans won this game. Tampa Bay was favored by four, but New Orleans gets a massive win um, on a divisional opponent to go five and two, um, except they lose their quarterback at the expense of that out for the year. Jameis Winston just sick for that. Um, they do win, though. They obviously cover, um, or Tampa Bay obviously does not cover the four. Um, New Orleans wins outright 36 27. Dallas taking on Minnesota. Dallas without Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush is the starting quarterback. Minnesota then obviously, because of that, the line vast, mass, massively and vastly shifts to their favor, minus 4.5. They close as minus 4.5, and, and they lose outright. 20-16 to 16 to Cooper Rush. Ay ay ay. And then finally, Monday night game, Kansas City favored by 10.5. We all should have known this was too many. Kansas City cannot cover games because they can't score. They keep turning the ball over. They don't look great. They f- closed at 10.5. However, they did win the game, but they did not cover. Giants cover the 10.5, but um, Kansas City does get the win on the money line. All right, on to the Week 9 preview here. Let's pull up these games. Starting with the Thursday night game, which is an absolute clunker, the Jets taking on Indianapolis. However, we do get the Mike White game. We get to see if he can repeat another amazing performance and cover again. Indianapolis is favored by 10.5 at the moment. Um 820 game on Thursday night. We'll see what happens there. I'm not touching this game. I got screwed by the Jets last week. I'm just going to let this one play out. Houston taking on Miami. On Sunday, Miami is favored by six and a half. Houston um, did not do anything with Deshaun Watson, and this was a team that they were looking to trade with in Miami. They did not get that done. Um, maybe due to some of the off-the-field stuff with Deshaun Watson and whatnot. They've completely mishandled the Tua situation. I don't know if Tua is the guy, but the way that they're handling it makes it seem like they don't think he's the guy, and they're just completely giving up on him. Um, It's only been really a year. He hasn't even been a full starter because of his hip um, problem. So it is what it is. Miami favored by 6.5. I would probably still take them, but I'm I'm not going to. I'm going to stay away. That game's too just up in the air for me. Denver taking on Dallas. Dallas is favored by 9.5. I assume this is, again, based on Dak playing. It sounds like he is going to be a participant in practice um, tomorrow, and that should mean he's a a, a go and progress to play in the game on Sunday. Um, However, we don't know that for a fact yet, but right now, if he plays, they're favored by 9.5. Minnesota taking on Baltimore. Baltimore favored by 6. Again, I, I just can't fathom... Um, taking Minnesota in this spot after they just went primetime and lost to Cooper Rush. Um, I think Baltimore, coming off of the bad loss they had to Cincinnati, I think that this should be a, a spot that they do well in. All right, New Orleans, or sorry, not New Orleans, New England taking on Carolina. Um, Carolina, no, sorry, New England, favored by three and a half on the road. Carolina is at home. Um, not favored, probably not shocking though. I hate to say this, but I-, I wonder if New England is starting to catch their stride and starting to get in that mode. Um, so I would probably take New England minus three and a half. Buffalo taking on Jacksonville. Buffalo favored by 14 and a half. Jacksonville is at home, but um, I know a lot of people have a have a system and a formula where home dogs of 10 plus 10 or more points, they take the they take the dog. Um I don't think you can take Jacksonville as a dog against Buffalo. Don't do it. Hammer Buffalo, minus 14.5. Cleveland taking on Cincinnati. Cincinnati at home, minus 2.5. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, there's a lot of OBJ news. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why I didn't cover that in the breaking news. Um, OBJ news. 
OBJ's dad yesterday decided to go on Instagram and post basically a cut-up clip of a bunch of film from Baker just not throwing to him and missing throws and completely overthrowing and underthrowing and him missing wide-open guys, let alone OBJ. And then today, in practice, um, OBJ was excused, and all reports say that Kevin Stefanski has basically said they're going to operate like he's not on the team. They're going to try to find somebody to, to take him as a suitor and a trade partner. Um, and that he's basically done as a Brown. But then other people are reporting that he plans to play on Sunday, so I don't really know how this is going to work out. But all signs are pointing to OBJ is not on the field anymore for the Browns. Whether that's good for both of them, we'll find out. I think it's probably best that they both just separate. Um, I think OBJ is getting a bad rap in this scenario. I think Baker is severely regressing, and I don't think he's playing super well, and I don't think he's able to stand in the pocket confidently and deliver strikes to OBJ like he needs. Um, But here we are. So... Okay, um, let's move on to Las Vegas taking on the Giants. I don't know how the whole scenario with what's going on in, in Vegas is going to affect this team. Um, they've been able to to rally around other things before, but the difference is Ruggs was a massive part of this team in, in their receiving core. This is going to be tough. Um, I'm surprised this number is still where it's at. Maybe it was even higher before all this stuff. I didn't check it when it was this, you know, before all this stuff was happening. Um, but they're favored by three over the Giants on the road. Um, this is one where you might want to look at the Giants here, just based on everything that's going on in that program. Atlanta taking on New Orleans. New Orleans favored by six, but with a backup quarterback. Again, I don't know what Trevor Simeon's going to look like, but it seems like Sean Payton can make any quarterback look great. Um, so I would stay away from it, but I, my gut says Atlanta plus six, but then I'm betting against Sean Payton and, and making a quarterback look good, and that seems dumb. All right. Chargers taking on Philadelphia on the road. They are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Philadelphia coming off a massive throttling of Detroit. Chargers dropping a game to New England, who, like I said, I think might be picking up steam. Chargers are now 4-3 and three after being 4-1 and one and everybody thinking they were an elite team. They've kind of taken a step back. All that to say, I don't think Philadelphia is good. I think they're the better team. I think that they, I think they have a chance to, to blow this game open. Um, so I would probably take the the Chargers minus one and a half, um, but I don't really know where I stand with the Chargers right now, so I would just kind of take that game for what you will. Green Bay taking on Kansas City, like I mentioned with the Aaron Rodgers news, Green Bay is or sorry, Kansas City is now a seven point favorite um, at home. No Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love probably going to start. They're bringing in Blake Bortles as a backup to the practice squad. I know this sounds crazy, but seven points right now with the Chiefs and the way they're operating, and the Packers' defense has been good. All that just seems like too many points. I'm not going to bet it. I would probably tease it down to just Kansas City to a pick and just have them win the game. I don't know if they can win that game outright. I'm not sure. Um, or sorry, I don't know if they can cover the seven. I'm pretty certain they can win the game outright. Seven points just is a lot for this team that can just struggle so much to score right now and turns the ball over at an alarming rate. Um, So here we are. Arizona taking on San Francisco. Arizona favored by two and a half on the road. San Francisco coming off a big win, a dominating performance over Chicago. Um, Arizona is just infinitely better than San Francisco, so I would take Arizona minus two and a half. 
Tennessee taking on the Rams. The Rams favored by seven and a half. I assume this was maybe closer, but with the news of Derrick Henry, maybe it was a point, maybe a point and a half. Um, the Rams minus seven and a half at home. Um, I will probably tease that down to a half just to let them win. Um, but I think overall the Rams will will probably dominate that team um, pretty easily. And then the Monday night game, Chicago taking on Pittsburgh. I will be at that game in Pittsburgh, repping the Bears. Pittsburgh favored by six and a half. Um, just because I'm a homer, I don't know how well that Ben Roethlisberger can do with that with the Bears defensive line if Khalil Mack plays. If Khalil Mack plays and Akeem Hick plays and Roquan Smith plays and um, all those guys play and they play well, it's going to be a long night for Ben Roethlisberger. However, I don't know if any of those are going to happen. I would just stay clear and just watch this game. Um, but if we get news that a lot of players for the Bears on that defensive front are going to play, um, then I think you could probably take Chicago plus six and a half and hope that Justin Fields can get some sort of relief um, from the offensive line um, and he can kind of learn the system a little better um, and stay upright. That's the big thing against the the Steelers is with these with these defensive lines for that are dominant against the Bears. Fields just has to stay upright um, and, and elude people and kind of stay out of the pocket, which he, I think he can do. All right, let's go to the Tweed trifecta and the best bets in the gambling corner here. I'm going to pull up our DraftKings sportsbook app and see what odds we're going to get here. First thing we will do, like I mentioned, the Tweed trifecta, we will pull up the lines here. Um, I'm going to go, this might be crazy. I'm going to go pretty simple here. I'm going to go with the Tweed trifecta, which, by the way, as we mentioned, is a three-team money line parlay. You put three teams together in a money line, and if they all hit, we're hoping to get plus odds or close to even money here. We're going to go Buffalo. That's not any shocker here. Buffalo favored by 14.5. They should win outright. <laughs> We're also going to go with the Chiefs, and then we're going to go, ooh, now we're getting a little tougher here, and we're going to go Baltimore as well. If we do those teams, we get a parlay odds of minus 105, which is almost close to minus money. Essentially, you have to bet 105 to 100, so we're going to go Bills, Ravens, and Chiefs. If you only wanted to do 1 o'clock games, I would go um, Dallas, Buffalo, and then Baltimore. But I think a better chance is the Chiefs, Bills, and Baltimore Ravens money line three-team parlay there. So the tweet trifecta one more time. Buffalo, Baltimore, Kansas City all to win outright. Get that money line parlay to hit. Now, for the best bets, we are going to do, as we always do, a two-team seven-point teaser. I'm going to do, um, actually, in this case, I'm just going to do a six-point teaser. I'm going to do Baltimore and Kansas City again. I'm going to tease that six points. So Baltimore becomes a pick em, and then Kansas City becomes a minus one, essentially just giving you a buffer for even if they only win by one, you get that push, but they'll probably end up winning by more than that. If they only win by a field goal, then you're good. Um, so as we know, let me clear the bet slip here, and then we'll do the teaser that should be minus 130 but in some places it might be even better odds um actually we're gonna do a three-teamer screw it and we're gonna go back to seven we're gonna do the bills we're gonna do we're gonna take we're gonna take the same three teams in the tweet trifecta 
And we're going to tease them both. Yes, we are. We're doing it. Okay, let's pull it up. Let's tease it. And now we're actually going to back go back to a seven-point teaser with three teams. Depending on your book, you may get it at plus 130, plus 140. It just kind of depends. At DraftKings, you get plus 130 for a three-team seven-point teaser. So now we get Buffalo at seven and a half. We get Baltimore at plus one, and then we get the Chiefs at minus seven and a half, or sorry, at minus a half. If you wanted to go back to the six-point teaser or six and a half, you're getting at plus 160, 150. You could then still get Baltimore minus, or Baltimore pick'em, Buffalo minus eight and a half, Chiefs minus one and a half. It just kind of depends on your your preference. I'm going to go with the seven-point teaser, so one last time. That is Bills minus seven and a half, um, Ravens plus one, and then Chiefs minus a half a point. Basically just win there. You could also do, I'm not advocating for this, that's not what I'm going to bet, um, but you could do the 10-point super teaser. Um, some of these are called a sweetheart, or some of these are just called a 10-point teaser, depending on where you are. This is minus 120, so you're not getting your plus money, but the lines get severely lowered, or in, you know, just depending on how you do it. So Buffalo would become a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Baltimore would become a plus four. And then Chiefs would be a plus two-and-a-half. So you kind of get a buffer there in case one of those teams slips up and loses. Um, like I said, I'm sticking to the seven-point teaser for our three-team seven-point teaser there. One last time, the tweet trifecta is Bill's money line, Raven's money line, Chiefs money line, and then the weekend best bets is a three-team seven-point teaser. Bill's minus seven-and-a-half, Raven's plus one, Chiefs minus a half. Let's get it. Cash those bets. Cash those tickets. Place them now. Don't look back. That is going to do it for another episode of Between the Tackles, which is an NFL podcast hosted by yours truly, Matt Tweed. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, review, rate, subscribe, download, listen to it, tell the homies, tell the fam. We're popping off. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. YouTube channel. Check it out. And uh, I think that's going to do it. All right, fam. Peace.